I decided on triumphant music for this week. Great. Because we've decided on a name. This uh, is great this is the... Wait, I forget. The, the rights to Ricky Sanchez. Uh, I am Spike Eskin, along with Mike Levin of LibertyBallers.com. Um, I, you know, I think the uh, the name itself, I, I don't even think we should spend any time explaining it, because I feel like that's sort of the beauty of it. I think there's seven people who get the name. <laughs> God bless them all. Yeah, well, and I think those who don't get the name should Google it. And I think it'll actually, if you Google the phrase of the name, it should come up pretty quickly. Um, it should take you to only LibertyBallers and SpikeAskin.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, uh I'm I'm happy with the name and we we both thought and I thank everyone who um who suggested names on Twitter. There were many. Um and there were many good ones and I did um you know when we when we said on Twitter that it would be the rights to Ricky Sanchez a couple of people said, "Well, wouldn't it be better if it was this?" and I thought, "Well, yeah, I'm sure it would be." But <laughs> <laughs> That's not what it's going to be. Um, so, all right. So, on my agenda for today, I figured we go through. Do you want to go through league wide first or Sixers wide first? Uh, I'm still asleep, so your your call. All right. Oh, yeah. Right. I forgot. This is the portion of we the have, pro- can, we, can we give you like a twelve seconds of sympathy? Just yeah. I forgot. This is the portion of the program where we act like six in the morning is all that early. Yeah, Ma- Ma- Mike, of course, is waking up at six in the morning, Los Angeles time, um, to make sure I'm that pla- I'm in the process of moving, so things are especially busy. I was up. I was up last night putting out the first script, first final draft of the season for How I Met Your Mother. And I had to stay up and watch an episode of Friday Night Lights. So, you know, things are pretty busy yep. in the Mike Levin household. Yeah, I mean, this is a, uh, you're a giver. <laughs> you're... Consider yourself a lucky, sir. <laughs> All right, so I, I say we go through NBA first and then sex okay. All right. And we don't have to, um, you know, if you don't have anything to say about it, we, just, these are just the, these are just the things that have happened since we spoke last time. Um, well, Dwight Howard picked Houston, which, um, as far as basketball goes, I think Houston and Golden State were the top two choices. And I actually think because, at least as far as I'm concerned, Houston is the better situation um, because I, I feel like they have a little more flexibility moving forward and they have the best player given those two teams in Harden. So I thought it was the right choice. I don't know how good he'll be there and you know who knows but I thought it was probably the right choice yeah I mean we'll see he's healthy uh he wasn't last year and he was still the best center in basketball I mean some people will say Marcus Holt but I, I still think that Dwight is more dominant on both ends really just athletically and uh assertively maybe um Hopefully he has some of in the back because that Houston team will be just completely fun as hell. Uh, would have loved to see him go to Golden State because him playing with dollar would have also been awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I've loved Houston for for a couple years now, and I'm so pumped that Daryl Morey, you know, basically, he didn't have, there's no plan. There's no, like, every single move will lead us to Dwight Howard, but it's like, you do what you can so you can put yourself in a position to do that kind of thing. And the fact that he kept working, kept maneuvering, which is what, I mean, what's what I think he's doing. And while other GMs sort of just like sit on their hands and sign Chris Kamen, 
it's it's a nice it's like nice to see that like it's it paid off and like a free agent has decided to go to a team that just just build build their team the right way. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's it's exciting. It's an exciting prospect. Well, and it, it, it very much takes luck, no matter how you do it, whether it's acquiring assets to trade for a guy. You know, they, they got lucky in that they, you know, all reports are is that they wanted Andrew Bynum before they wanted James Harden. So if if that had happened, you know, who knows if Daryl Morey even has a, a job today, you know, because they had, they had three years of sort of, you know, building up those assets and waiting for something to happen. And when you spend all those assets and it doesn't work out, you know, who knows? But they didn't. That's not what happened. And they you know they got you know it's the same with Oklahoma City you know if they pick one pick away from where they are um, in the Westbrook Harden and Durant drafts you know maybe none of that happens but they didn't and they were you know they put themselves in the right position and you know hopefully if you put yourself in the right position enough times the right thing happens so yeah um Given that uh, we just discussed, Dwight um, Iggy to Golden State is uh, it does appear to have been a it's a nice signing. I think it's nice for him and it's nice for the team. It, it creates a little bit of a logjam um, at small forward with them if they're if they're totally buying into Harrison Barnes. He's fine as like a small ball four, but I think he's his future is as a three. Um, I think they made that move. You know, hoping it would entice Dwight a little bit, and if it didn't, you know, they're happy with it. I think it's a nice signing. Um, I, I still, I'm still not totally sold on the uh, the Warriors as like uh, you know title contender team, but I think it's a nice signing. Uh, I I love the signing. I really do. I think it's basically like you're going from Jared Jack to Iguodala, right? Which Jared Jack's my player. We'll talk about him going to Cleveland a little bit, um, but. I mean, Iguodala is, I still think, the best perimeter defender in the league and gets very little credit for it. And even though he'll be, how old is he going to be when the contract end? Like, he'll be like 32, 30, 32 30, or 33, yeah. It's, I mean, it's fair money. Like, it's really fair money. It's less than he got. It's less than that's the fancy you. Um, and, you know, it, it, it all hinges on Bogut being healthy and everyone shooting well. I, I think Iguodala had a, had a rough shooting year in, in Denver. It takes him, you know, some time to acclimate to his new environment, and he's still like a hell of a player. I mean, on the on the glass and in the open court and all that stuff. So I I definitely expect that while Andre wasn't super efficient offensively last year, uh, that won't hold up this year. It's not like you're you're getting an inefficient offensive player, which I, I've seen some Warriors writers be like, well, it's a drop in efficiency, so maybe it's not the best move. I don't think he can base it off of just the one year because he shot 39% from beyond the year before. So. Well, well I, and I do think, too, it helps, you know, if he's playing with Clay Thompson and uh, Steph Curry, who, um, you know, plays the role of point guard, but, you know, they should probably do more with getting him into spots and, you know, and shooting off screens and stuff like that so you don't wear him down, especially given his size and the injury concerns. And Iguodala, as he showed in Philly, um, can do a bunch of the point forward stuff and has very, very, very good court vision for... Um, you know, for a, a guy of his abilities, you know, a guy who isn't a point guard, I think his, uh, you know, his handles okay, um, but his, uh, you know, he's a really good passer and he sees the floor really well, and I think you can um, run the offense through him a little bit to get Thompson and Curry shots. And I think, I think that, I think they will play uh, small a lot. They'll, they'll, they'll go a lineup like Curry, 
uh, Clay, Barnes, Iguodala, and like Bogut. And you know, you have your perimeter defenders, you have your you have your shooters, and the other guy in the middle that's going to sort of uh, keep people away from the rim. Um, and I think I mean I, that's an impossible lineup to defend. That's just if you I mean if say the Sixers play against a team and and Thad's that four, Harrison Barnes can you know manage against Thad. I don't think anybody else could basically. I, I don't think that uh, the way the way that uh, power forwards are in this league now, um, they're not that powerful. Right. So you you can run basically. It's, I mean, it's, it's an advantage for the other team on the other end, but I think Golden State will probably be like, all right, you you have to cover us. Just see if you can, basically. Um, and, uh, oh, go ahead. I, I love what they're doing. Um, Josh Smith to Detroit. Um, you know, I, I I rip. I don't like Josh Smith too much as a player. Like, I you know, I don't I don't hate him as much as I talk about hating him. Let's put it that sure. way. I think on the right team, on the right deal, I think he's a, a good player. But I I don't think I, I know that you're going to feel differently. I don't think um, this is the right team or the right deal for him. Um, you know, he'll put up numbers there because somebody's got to take shots. They don't have a, they don't, they still don't have any real scoring on uh, on the Pistons. But I don't, I don't love him at at that deal on that team. No, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird team. Uh, I'm excited by the defensive and rebounding prospects of a Josh, Greg, Monroe, and Andre Drummond uh, sort of front court three, four, five. Um, but none of those guys can really take a shot out of you know fifteen feet. Andre Drummond can't take a shot out of four. Yeah, and Josh Smith likes shooting threes and missing. Um, so it's going to be weird. But if if they just like pound the ball inside, if if they recognize that, uh, I'm worried that this means like, oh, they're not going to commit to Drummond and Monroe as a as a front court for for the next few years when they should. Uh, they need shooters to run the other positions because you need people to shoot in basketball. But it's still fun. The idea of that team is is exciting to me because Josh Smith is a really good defense player, and would I mean it's exciting. I mean it's like it's just like guys that are long doing things the best. I mean they're going the opposite way. They're like the NBA is all about getting smaller and more athletic, and they're getting bigger and more athletic so it's like how how are people, how's anyone going to cover that that three four five yeah I, so. I i just i don't know that to me I, I don't think monroe is particularly athletic or a particularly good defender um and i don't think josh smith is a three i just think he's you know you could you can have him there at certain times but it, like you know he's he and he's a decent ball handler but he's a having a three who can't shoot is is sort of you know as you said you know they're going yeah. the opposite way is just I don't know how it works I just I, I don't know how I just I don't know how that team ends up working out and I I don't think I imagine they'll play some of those guys all together um, but I imagine that a lot of the time on the court will be two of those three guys I, I don't know that Drummond is a um, with a ton of potential but I, I don't know that he's a thirty minute a game guy yet uh, he's the best player in the league. Give him all the money. <laughs> um, all right. So I don't. I'm, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but only because, like, I, I can't believe the people actually decided to fight me on this. Al Jefferson at 14 million dollars a year is is insane. It, like, I don't care if 
look, people are like, well, you know, Charlotte can't get anybody to go there, so they have to overpay to get him there in order to get other guys. Nobody's going there because Al Jefferson's going there. Yeah. He's not making them significantly better. Like, he's not getting nope. them into the playoffs. He's maybe improving them by, what, a few games? He doesn't defend. And the notion that he's such a great offensive player in the post that he draws double teams is meaningless because he doesn't pass out of the double teams. So, so his numbers are empty. They're useless. They don't. And fourteen million dollars a year is is like second best player on a championship team type money. Um, depending on the team, it might even be best player on championship team type money. It's it's an and the third year on it as a player option. It's a uh, he's. Uh, his, his numbers are empty, um, and if I'm Charlotte, I understand that they want they don't want to be quite as bad, but this is like the worst way to not be quite as bad because you're still going to be bad. You're just not going to be that bad. I just I think it's awful, to- totally yeah. awful. It's, it's, it's torpedoing yourself towards mediocrity. It's just like, and I get, and I, you know, same thing with Sacramento making some signings that are just like, that's not a good sign. It's just like you're... You have to sort of just avoid free agency if you're a bad team. That's pretty much what you have to do because no one's going to want to sign with you, and any deal you make, you're going to have to overpay. And it sucks. I, I can imagine it sucks to just be, as, as an owner, just to be bad for years and years and years in a row, and you just want to do something. And, and you see a guy that you know averages 18 and 12, and you're like, okay, I'm getting him. He's on my team now. Uh, but he's not going to – I mean, the Bobcats are still going to be awful. It's a terrible fit with, you know – Cody Zeller, like is that that's your four or five? Like he's that none of these those guys defend. I mean, are you yeah. giving up on Bismack Biombo? Like what? Where where are you going? So it's just it's nice for the Sixers because they're probably going to be you know probably going to win twenty six games this year instead of twenty two. Like so sure, but it's not, it's it's not a franchise building move. It's just a. All right, Bobcats. Hope hope you have a nice time. Yeah, and you know, and it's a team game. But but Al Jefferson, it, if you take out his rookie year where he didn't play very much anyway, has been in the playoffs one time in eight years and won zero playoff games. And I know it's not all on him, but if you're paying him fourteen million dollars a year, Utah is a pretty good like had players last year. It's not like the team didn't have players. He's been on teams with players. Um, you know, even. Iguodala, when he was paid as the best player, won, won playoff games, you know, and got into the playoffs. Like, it's just, he wasn't even in the playoffs for seven out of eight years. That's, it, it's insane to me to pay a guy like that that much money in that situation. I just, I think it's, um, I just think it's a, that's awful, awful. It's very Charlotte Bobcats and Michael Jordan esque, but, yeah. But it's They're having a very Charlotte offseason with drafting Zeller. And yep. Um, so Andrew Bynum, or you know, we'll hold off on nope. we'll, wait, we'll hold off on Bynum for a second because we'll make him the transition into Sixers land. Um, the, as predicted, there as you predicted, um, there were four teams bidding on Monte Ellis, um, uh, but there's one, and I forget which one I read it was. So it's Sacramento, Atlanta. Um, uh, who else? Who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting two teams. There are four teams. Dallas is still looking at them. Right, bit, I think and. Uh, uh, and I, I mean, I know New York was kicking their tires. I don't, I don't think they have any money. Today. No, they don't have the money anymore. Whoever it was, one of them envisioned him as a Tony Parker-esque point guard. And oh, good. I, well, but I think at least what that does is, like, I think he's better as a point guard than a shooting guard. I just, 
maybe there's more of a chance, you know, as a pick and roll point guard, maybe he's going to the rim more and creating for others more and shooting three pointers less. I don't know. But um, somebody's going to pay him. You know, the Bucks offered him three years, 36 earlier as an extension. He turned it down. That's probably what he'll end up getting is three oh. years, 30 or something like that. So just teams asking for their franchise to be crippled. Just yep. please let me pay you a lot of money to just cripple our franchise. Any, anything I can do. That'd be great. <laughs> Um, a, oh, and a not-so-bad deal, and I think it was just a matter of uh, there just weren't enough bidders, is Paul Millsap at two years and $19 million. I, I'm not in love with Millsap as much as I think some others are, but he's you know, uh, he's a 40 or $40 million guy, and I don't, depending on the team, I think it's fair. Um, him yeah. only getting two years is, um, is sort of uh, crazy to me. Um, I don't know what Atlanta's doing. Um, you know, exactly. What's that? I love, I love, I mean, yes, exactly. I, mean, I love, I love two years. Like, giving anybody yeah. two years is my favorite thing in the world. One year, even better. Uh, but when you, you can't just look at deals as like, okay, is this person worth this much money? Right. Because you have to work, you have to look at it like, is this person worth this much money to what we're trying to do and what we're trying to build? And will we be contending for a championship or headed that way when this guy is going to help us. And Atlanta, it's like, what, what are they doing? Like, where, where, where are we going with this? Someone direct me. Because it means you're going to play next to Al Horford, and they'll probably be pretty nice. But eighth seed, seventh seed, out of the playoffs, tanking? What's happening? I don't know. So it's just Atlanta sort of just, well, he's good value, so we'll sign him, which is fine. That's an asset. You can trade him. But I just don't know where we're headed with that. Yeah, I think Zach Lowe and Chad Ford both made good points um, when judging general managers and moves like this. Is that some owners don't want to be bad? They they just they yeah. they understand that uh, it's not the way to a championship, but they would rather. And I I can't I can't say that it's like wrong because if you're running a business and you're currently in a league where um, you know where the top two or three teams are just worlds better than everybody else and yeah. you don't think you can make a run on it. You'd rather make a little money as a, you know, a seven or an eight seed or maybe if you get lucky a six or a five, then, you know, uh, who am I to say how you should spend the next three years of your franchise, like whether it's terrible waiting for a star or not. But some, it's not, who knows how much of it is Danny Ferry or, um, uh, you know what I mean? Like, and who knows how much of it is saying the owner saying, "Look, I want to be decent. You don't cripple the franchise to do it, but I want to be decent." Yeah, it's ownership. I mean, I mean, Derek Bodner always sort of hyped that the last you know year or two, and it's sort of it's been ingrained in my head that it's like if you don't have owners that are really willing to commit to a rebuild and really willing to just like trust your general manager and not make short-sighted moves and not. Just ruin your cap space if you if you want if you have a plan and you're just like we need to get this guy and you're just like well I he doesn't really fit the plan we're not ready for it yet and the owner's like I don't want to be bad anymore then it's like you got to sort of listen to him he owns the team like that's what happens and, and that's why it's so exciting that Josh Harris is thinking big picture and willing to to see beyond you know what's right in front of him. Um. So. Andrew Bynum. Um, well, first of all, it's this is the, the what's going on now is funny for a, a couple of reasons. First of all, the reason this Cleveland rumor and this number 
it just keeps getting pumped out there is because Andrew Bynum doesn't want to go to Cleveland. Um, and he is dying for somebody. They're like, well, they're dangling two years 24, which is really one year 12 uh, with a team option. Yeah. Um, he doesn't look if he wanted to sign in Cleveland, he would have signed in Cleveland. Like to me, this is it says it's a couple of things. I think it's interesting because. Andrew Bynum isn't getting quite the deal that a lot of people thought he would. The, the market, I think the market smartened up a little bit or is a little more cautious um, on him, you know, if, in that he's looking for either three, you know, maybe it's three years and uh, $8 million a year from Dallas or two years and 24 for Cleveland, which is essentially, again, they're, they're taking a one-year risk. Um, but I think it's also a statement about, you know, Cleveland, Oklahoma City, um, you know, teams like this, it's a really weird situation in the NBA because there's only so much you can pay people. And um, overpaying the wrong guy, a mid-level guy, really cripples your franchise. But you can't overpay a top-level guy because everybody can offer him the same thing. So it comes down to if somebody doesn't want to live in your city, you know, which is a lifestyle thing, which is something that a lot of NBA players are, are concerned with right now, clearly. I don't know who is volunteering to live in um, Oklahoma City if you don't get drafted by them. And I don't know who wants to go to Cleveland. You know, when I asked, when I had Dion Waiters in here and I asked him about Cleveland because he, he went from Syracuse to Cleveland and I know about Syracuse. And he, he didn't say it, but he made a, like a face sort of about the city. Um, I, you know, I don't, who's going to want to go there? Who wants to go to Cleveland? I'd go to Cleveland. <laughs> the play with Kyrie and Anthony Bennett? Oh, yeah. Send me, send me there. But I, I think it's interesting given, um, you know, I think Bynum's situation is certainly interesting. And I, I think as a Sixers fan, you got to hope that Dallas really wants him because it, you uh, know, maybe we get an asset, the Sixers get an asset well, out of it. We'd um, love him to go to Dallas. Um, but um, they've already traded away their 2014 first. Um, so you'd be looking at a 2016 first or, a, or just a second, I guess. Which I'm totally cool with. I love trading for first round picks that fun in the future because then it comes around and you're like, oh. What a nice treat. Yeah. This is from so long ago. It's like finding a 20 in your pocket. You're just like, this is great. Like, come on. What, what could be better? I, I, think, I think the way, and I want, I've been wanting to talk to you about this all week. Uh, because you have, all year, you were the one just completely just like, just pulling my optimism down. Just like dragging me into the fire as you're burning. So, about buying him, about his health. And you're like, Mike, he has chronic arthritis. It's not getting better. He's not going to be able to play. There's no healing process. You've been telling this all year. And teams are sort of just like when when being reported, they're just like, yeah, well, if he's healthy. Or like, oh, well, you know, he'll get better and hopefully he can play. And, you know, it's a risk. But a, and it's like, he has chronic arthritis. He's not getting better. He's not going to play more than X amount of games per season because he physically can't. He's not working out for teams. That's why. I mean, he's not working out for teams. He won't even play like, basketball. He, he didn't he play basketball to, last year. He wants a contract to play basketball, and he won't play basketball. Like, it's, when you say it, when you just look at it on the surface, it's like you can understand why teams are apprehensive. Yeah, I mean, I'd give him a year. But if you give him a year, then you're like, you're not, you're not, you're going to try to rush him into playing because you want to see him play. And he'll resist, and then you'll have the same thing last year. Or, you know, he'll play a couple games and he'll fly, and he'll fly him up. I mean, like, he played one practice 
last year. He went one five-on-five practice, and then after it, that was it. The, his season was over. I mean, he's like, no, I can't play. My knee flamed up too much. He's not. I mean, if I brought him in to work out, I would. Ha- I would insist on working out two days in a row. Yeah. Because you have to see. You know, can he walk the next day? Like, and if he can, then it's like, dude, I don't know what we're expecting of you. But teams are just like, it's like people forgot about last year. Like, and, and I get it. Like, if, if he had, if he tore his ACL, or if he, you know, had a meniscus tear, anything where it was just like healing, like an actual like he's healing. Hopefully he can play. I mean, Derek Rose had issues last year with people wanting him to play, and he wouldn't. But by him, it's like he's not ever going to be the same player ever again. And we can't treat it like he's. If I mean, if he does have chronic, if he has, if he has arthritis, which he apparently does, I haven't seen the X-rays. Have you seen the X-ray spike? No, the, but he. I mean, they've. He's admitted as such. I guess. I mean, yeah. I think we have to assume that. You know, he's got. Um, he wouldn't be the first guy. Look, I think if you did MRIs of a uh, hundred NBA guys who have been in the league for five years, there would be some arthritis in all of their knees. But clearly, yeah. his his is clearly accelerated. It has to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. So it's just it's, it's baffling to me that so many teams. And I've read a ton of stuff about it. And, you know, whether it's national or it's local, teams are just like, well, it's worth the risk. And, you know, if he's healthy, we'll see if he can get us. And it's like, bro, what's healthy? What's, what's, yeah. what's rehab? What's, what's, what's that? It's not what he's doing. You're, you're going to get maybe 20 games out of him, probably less, the rest of his career. Like, that's, I can't imagine. I just can't foresee a, a situation where he's like, yeah, I'm feeling great. Cartilage has grown back. Everything's working out perfectly. I'm playing games every day. I can't see that happening. No, well, because um, one thing, because cartilage doesn't grow back. So exactly, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, even though his claim that they're growing it in a petri dish somewhere until that until that comes to fruition uh, in real life, you know. Um, yeah, and I, you know, as a guy, you know, as a 25-year-old guy, I feel bad for him, you know? Like, you, he had this bright future ahead of him, and, you know, maybe there are certain things he could have done to be stronger um, and, you know, and take care of himself a little better and maybe, you know, put himself in a little bit better position and gain, gain a little more sympathy. Um, but as a, you know, as a 25-year-old guy who um, clearly has a lot of ability and your body just yeah. says no, um, you know, I... You know, I used to love running. I have arthritis in my hip. I can't run anymore. You know, so it, it's a sucky thing when your body tells you no, no matter how much what you want to do is a yes. Um, but uh, clearly, NBA teams are not willing to take that risk until he proves that he can do it. Um, and he's and he's not willing to prove it either. You no. know, he, and that's that's his problem. And I, I'm not. I'm not just. I mean, if you've read Liberty Ballers ever or heard us talk ever, I'm not bitter towards him. I'm not. I'm angry at him. I don't think he owes us anything. He's just a guy who's hurt uh, and is now trying to get paid like a basketball player, which, you know, I would do the same thing. Uh, and he's just a, he's a weird guy, but, again, not that's not that shouldn't, like, influence your opinion of him. He's just a guy that got hurt and couldn't play for the Sixers. The end, we traded for him, made a, what I still think was a very – calculated risk because um, he was coming off a season where he played 60 of 66 games like this is something that happened over the offseason 
and after the trade for him and kept getting worse and worse and worse and now it's at the position it's in but they when they traded for him he wasn't some broken down guy it, it, the Sixers signed Elton Brandt after he had a serious injury and didn't know what he'd, what he'd be coming back from. When they got Andrew Bynum, he was a healthy person. Like, he had injury history, but he was a healthy basketball player closing in on his peak as a player. So I, I, I would do the trade again. I might have said it about losing the picks and some of the prospects a little, but it wouldn't have gotten us to where we are today, and I, I love where we are today. I love that. That whole regime is just gone. And it's Sam Hinkie and Josh Harris and uh, Scott O'Neill, triumvirate, leading the charge to the promised land. Well, I feel like sweeping music should be under, under what I'm saying. Where's, where's, my, where's my music? <laughs> well, in, in hindsight, I think the only thing that I would change is, uh, is the, uh, the, the press conference. I think that yeah. I, I would get, and I was there and I loved it. his fault. No, no, no. I was there and I loved it. Um, you know, but uh in retrospect that might have been that one might have been a that might have been a mistake. Um so on to the Sixers. All right. Uh, I actually met Scott O'Neill. Uh, I talked to him for about ten minutes yesterday. He was at uh he was at WIP. Um it's amazing how all the Sixers guys like all look the same now. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. They're all there's like definitely a brand happening. Yeah, there's it's the thirty five to forty five year old like uh, you know, tailored suit, um, you know, s- slick, smart guy. Um, you know, it's funny when Josh Harris is like the least slick guy out of the group, you know, you've put together quite a, quite a, quite a team. Um, the, uh, the couple of people that I talked to, um, that have worked with Scott O'Neill, um, said that, uh, spoke very, very highly of him. Um, Bill Simmons mentioned in a podcast that a couple years ago he was he was mentioned as a uh, a possible replacement for David Stern as commissioner. Uh, Yeah. So he is clearly, um, you know, there's I don't give my dad credit for making a ton of points, um, especially in. (laughs) Right. Um, Howard Eskin. Um, I I don't give him a ton of even though he had the Adam Aaron story right, actually. But I I don't give him a ton of credit uh, in making basketball points a lot. But one thing he said yesterday was that Harris has now hired like two guys who know basketball and no sports um and scott o'neill you know adam aaron was not a sports guy he was a marketing guy but he wasn't a sports guy and it's very different and i think adam aaron figured found that out that marketing a sports team and marketing something else is very different you have to be honest a lot more when you're marketing a sports team you know it's not just all bells and whistles and i think scott o'neill understands that has been around you know bad teams good teams all that stuff so i think it's a uh, from from everything i've heard it's a it's an incredible hire yeah, it's fine. I mean, I, I think it's funny that like they looked at him and they're like, and I love Adam from from Twitter, and and we've had some interaction over the past few years. Uh, but I think they looked at him like, well, he's old and uh, he's a little weird, and what? Who's gonna look at him and be like, yeah, that's the guy I want to follow behind? Scott O'Neill is like a smooth talking, yep. nice dressed, like younger guy who does some UFC stuff. I mean, he's just like, he's he's who you want to represent the organization from a visual standpoint in the business department. So it's like, I, I so they just trade it out. It, it just, it's just like, I, I find a fire that they're, that they're all sort of trying to become the same person. They're all sort of like everyone, every Sixers guy is like sort of straight laced, handsome, youngish. Here we go. But basically I'm saying 
we should keep our phones on us because we're getting calls soon, Spike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's he called? Uh uh, and, uh, you know, yeah, Adam uh, Adam was always very good to me, called in, you know, when I was on the air in the middle of the night, he would call, the unannounced, he would call at 1230, um, you know, whether, oh, no, if I was crushing the team or if I was being positive, he would call either way, so, and he was always sure. very kind to me, but yeah, he dressed like he worked at Radio Shack, you know, it was like, it didn't, his, his bit um, just didn't fit, and much like they did when the new ownership came in here and tried to erase sort of the memory of the year before by um, getting rid of the mascot, getting rid of Matt Cord, um, sort of trying to do a clean slate, I think, you know, that's sort of what they're doing in regard to last year, you know? And even if Adam did, even if they thought he did a good job, I think that everybody agreed that, um, and this is just me guessing, but everybody agreed, hey, we need a different look. We need somebody else in charge of this. And, And somebody who gets the PR of a of a sports team, and I think that's what Scott O'Neill is. Um, Royce White, they traded for Royce White. Um, it's dude, it's funny. I was on a radio station in Houston on Saturday, um, and I think we got tweeted by a Rockets blog, and they both had the sort of the same good luck with that um, yeah. reaction. You know, I think your reaction in mind is just like. Um, you know, if he if he figures it out and is able to play basketball, great. He was, you know, a pretty great prospect. And if he's not, then he's not, and life goes on. But I I can't imagine it. Yeah, everybody worried about being a distraction. Like he, he's, he won't even be around if he's not playing. Like who, you know, it's not Andrew Bynum. You know, not, nobody's expecting him to be the best player on the team. It's not a distraction. It's just it'll be nothing. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, he's an expiring contract. So if the Sixers decide in October to not pick up his auction for next year, then he'll be gone, and that'll be it. Um, and they still did get a second-round pick in uh, for Ken Aldemir, who they like a lot. They're stashing him in Turkey. So that, that apparently, we've heard, is sort of the impetus for the move, even maybe more so than Royce White. Um, and sort of, I'm sure Hanky was just like, sure, we'll take him off your hands if you give us the rights to Aldemir. So it's nice. I mean, it's nice. It's nice to have somebody stashed, and it's nice to take a chance on a guy that has a really tremendous amount of talent. Um, and it's a buy. It's a buy low. It's a buy as low as possible move. I mean, there's there's nothing lower than this buy. Yes. So uh, I, I I I am more optimistic than most people about what's actually going to happen this year. And, and Royce is a player. He needs a jump shot. So. That needs to happen, but he's an exciting one. I mean, he's a guy that can get to the rim. He's strong as hell. He can he can play multiple positions. He's not good defensively, but he. I I think if if I don't know, I have more faith in in the idea of a team defense rather than a player defense. I think you need your your on ball defenders. Yeah. But I think if you if you set up a team defense, uh, then if guys are willing to just like you know buy into the system, then uh, then. You have something, even though they're not exemplary on-ball defenders. Um, yeah, I just I, I'm excited by the idea that like we could have taken a guy who was drafted 16th overall, who had the potential to go higher, and just turn him into like a really huge asset for us. Uh, I don't think Hinky would have traded for him if he didn't have a decent relationship. Uh, on Twitter, Royce White said Sam Hinky's a great guy and he likes him a lot. Be well. Uh, with, with, yeah, be well, of course. Um, I, I'm just worried, you know, I think justifiably so, about 
the first thing that happens with Royce, the first like blow up or anything, or even just like, the first game plays, people are just going to be like head case psycho, uh, just man up and play. Like, what's, yeah. why do you think that? It's, it's tough because you're just you're just dealing with such a level of ignorance and misunderstanding that uh, it, it it gets in the way of actual basketball. So it basketball might not be the story, and that's always annoying when it comes to these kinds of things. Well, two things. First of all, bringing a guy with an anxiety problem into Philadelphia is like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the jokes sort of write themselves. Uh, sure. You know, this is, the, the, we, we cause anxiety issues here, you know, like people who didn't have it before, you know, are, are on Prozac after they leave here. Um, you know, the, the, Donovan McNabb was nothing like he is now in college. He was nothing like this. He was not like, I feel like the city destroyed him on some level. Um, but on another level, I think what's uh, – and, and I'll only draw this similarity in one respect between Andrew Bynum and Royce White. So Andrew Bynum had this knee injury, but he was also sort of a knucklehead. Now, him being a knucklehead didn't really relate to his knee injury, but it was sort of hard to separate the two. And the way that you're – and people were saying, well, why doesn't he just man up and play? And, and they associated the fact that he's a knucklehead um, and couldn't really um, tie it with – like and couldn't separate it from his knee issue because they sort of grew together. Royce White clearly has a legitimate issue with anxiety, and I think he makes a really smart, um, interesting point when he talks about um, you know teams and just this country treating mental illness uh, the same way they treat physical illness, you know, right. and and sort of having that benefit. But on top of that, he's sort of a knucklehead, and he mm-hmm. go and he goes about things the wrong way. And what it does is is that it takes his point, which is diff- which is a smart point, but difficult to make anyway, and makes it even more difficult to make the way he presents it. You know, um, he did an interview with uh, Chuck Klosterman, and Klosterman said at the end that he sort of seemed like. He comes off like uh, a smart eighth grader who just really who just did a report on anxiety issues and like and just sort of wants to amaze you with what he knows. But like the the logic that he ties together doesn't quite work. One of those logic things is that like Royce White says that 95 percent of the country has mental disorders. And and Klosterman's point was, well, if if 95 percent of people have something, doesn't that just make it sort of the human condition and why should you be able – you know what I mean? Like, so, why, you know, if we all have something, then essentially nobody has it. It's just part of being a person. Um, mm-hmm. you, you can't say that. Every, and Royce White's response is, well, I don't care about everybody else. I just care about me. And then, like, everything sort of falls apart. So I think Royce White, like, should probably do less on Twitter. Um, and uh, I think there is a possibility – there's a possibility that um, he really isn't all that interested in playing basketball. I think it's possible. Um, and yeah. I, think, I think it's possible that he never plays. But if, even if he never plays, I don't care. You know, it would be great if he plays. But yeah. I was never counting on Royce White playing here in the first place. So it's like whatever he does is a bonus. It's inconsequential. I mean, you know, you, you, get, you pick up a, a prospect in, in Turkey that you think can help you in a couple of years, uh, and you have a contract that expires. Like, there you go. But I, I, I think your point about him not really wanting to play basketball is a, is a tough one because, I mean, he's he just sort of thinks himself or has been acting as if he's like this pariah, basically. Yeah. That sort of he will stand up for the rights of people with social anxiety disorders, which is just, like, nice. Like, like I love that. But the best way 
for people with anxiety disorders is to just play basketball. Yeah. And, you know, just prove that you can just play. And hopefully you and the team come to an agreement, you and the team move forward with that, but you don't sort of, don't, like, stand out. Don't don't sort of stand on the soapbox and just start yelling and be like, draw attention to yourself. You just sort of play, and just when people talk to you, like, yeah, I have an anxiety disorder, it's hard, I have to make special treatments, and the team's been very accommodating for that. Like that, it, it's it's tough because you don't know what came first. You know, did did Royce White start tweeting about things that he should have been tweeting about before Houston was already sort of disagreeable with with their sort of dealings? Right. Uh, I think I think he just. I mean, I'm sure his anxiety disorders is affecting um, his knuckleheadness, which is definitely a word. Um, but even still, you can't just be like, you can't use that as an, ex- as an excuse or a reason for everything. You, you can have an anxiety disorder and also be an idiot or a knucklehead or whatever. Right. Um, so you hope he's just sort of just, the fixers talk to him like, listen, we're happy to happy to do these things for you. We can get you to fifty some games by bus uh, when you're not when you're not when you're on the West Coast road trip. We'll send you to the D League so you can play. Uh, it's right in Delaware. Um, I would love that to be an option. Just be like, we'll bus you everywhere. We'll take a car. We will hire an intern. Any of that kind of stuff, and we'll just get you those games. And, we'll, and you'll play when you can play, basically. Yeah. And then, uh, or you can take a train. And he said, and he he tweeted, and you know, you can't. I, I don't want to take everything he tweets as like the gospel. Right. But he also said, like, I'll fly. Like, I'll fly if I have to fly. I just really don't like it. Like, it's really hard for me. So, you know, I, I imagine that, like, if playoffs were to come around yeah, and he was in it, like, and he was a contributing player to this team, that he would, like, do what he had to do, basically. Well, yeah, and that's end game is, is that he's got to fly for him to be a, for him to be a contributing player to any team in the future. Like, it can't be a 50-game-a-year guy who, you know, if you're in the NBA Finals, can't can't fly somewhere. Or even if you're not in the Finals, if you're, you know, if you're playing Milwaukee, you know, and it's, you know, there's one day off, you can't take the train. You can't, like, that's not realistic. It may be realistic to start off that way, but the end goal has to be you, you got to find a way to make this work completely. And that's up to them to figure out, you know, who knows. So, um, so um so last time we talked, um, we were talking about the free agency stuff and how bad the Sixers might be. And you thought that there was a sneaky way that the Sixers, just because of um, Hinky's history in not tanking, um, and you know, and and the way that they sort of design, you know, the, the efficient way that those teams play basketball and that the way this team should play basketball might lead them to not be good, but maybe a little better than we were expecting, and then. All of the shooters disappeared in the free agent market. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like I think Gary Neal is like the last guy. Um, Anthony Morrow is even gone. Anthony Morrow is a pelican. Yeah, and, and you look at like you know there's a run on shooters like basically this year, and you look at um, the team and you realize that nobody on the team can shoot. <laughs> nobody on the team can shoot. Um, like. There is a, a real possibility, um, and I'm fine with this, but there is a real possibility that this team could be, like, dreadful, dreadful. Like, um, like worst team 
worst, I mean, worst two, three record in the NBA, dreadful. Worst record in the Eastern Conference, dreadful. Like, just really. And th- they could still make a move, a trade, you know, maybe it's Turner or Thad or Hawes or whatever, who knows. But, um, man, dude, this team could be really bad. Yeah, I think that's the idea. Um, I, do, I wouldn't count out uh, Hinky making moves, though. I think he's just going to be like, okay, we're going to try to do what we do, and right now it's going to be, be bad, and we'll see what, how we can move out of that. Um, but, yeah, there's just no, there's nothing that's super enticing. I think they will eventually sign somebody uh, now that the uh, moratorium is over. And they can announce, you know, the Drew trade is happening and stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 not great. I'm 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 surprised that they that they didn't, you know, the three guys that they drafted, none of them can shoot particularly. Yeah. Um, and you know, Khalif Wyatt, if they if they think of him as like a a backup point guard or like a Willie Green off the bench kind of thing. Uh, I think that's fine, but he's not a you know he's not he's not a world changer. Um, it's interesting. I, I I think that you know there's a there's a guy in San Antonio who is just the shooting coach there, and he's been there for like twelve fifteen years. All, I think all all of, however long Pop's been there, he's been there, and no one hears him talk. You know. I, they, they won't let him leave. They got to be paying him millions of dollars because he's he's just a shooting coach, and they, people just shoot well in San Antonio. They, he's like teaches he changes people's shots. He teaches them how to shoot, and he goes back to his lair where no one talks to him. Like it, it's like a secret, like that they're they're not letting him out. And maybe Sam Hinkie has a shooting guy <laughs> that he's just so confident that will like sort of you know teach. Uh, Arslan Kazemi to hit a corner three and, you know, adjust MCW's jumper, like any, anything. Maybe he's got that guy because, I mean, right now, like, the, the three-pointer w- will be a huge part of his offense. And right now he doesn't have the players that can hit those shots. Maybe Mike, it's... Mike, he doesn't have any players that can hit those <laughs> shots. There's literally, assuming that Jason Richardson misses, misses a good chunk of this season or all of this season, there is literally... Nobody on this. Would you say, aside from a nice stretch that Evan Turner had with corner threes last year, that it's possible that Spencer Hawes is the best three point shooter on the Sixers? Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> oh my God, this is going to be so interesting. Quick, quick, quick Spencer Hall story, by the way. Yeah. If we can go off this for a second. Uh, so I moved into a new apartment, or I'm in the process of moving into an apartment with Andrew Sharp, who uh, used to write for SB Nation and now writes for Grantland. Um, and he is friends, friend of a friend with Spencer Hawes. Uh, so they've hung out a couple times. And when Spencer saw on Twitter that... Andrew and I are living together. He texted him, being like, "Yo, I'm gonna have to show up at your apartment and like scare the crap out of your boy." Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think Spencer knows that uh, we're not particularly supportive of him as a player. Yeah, I think he might be. I, I don't think he knows quite the uh, the length to which I love him as a person and as a personality. 
but yeah, I think it'd just be the funniest thing in the world if he all of a sudden came over and I was just like, "All right, Spence, how's it going, buddy?" Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, he's too active on social media to not know. Like, he yeah. has to know. He just has yeah. to. Um, and I like I try to make it clear a lot that I've like everyone has told me he's a nice dude. Um, I think he's dumb with his politics on Twitter. I mean, he has every right to do it, but I think he sounds like a a, a fool when he talks about it. Um, And I can't stand watching him play basketball. I don't think that makes him a bad person or I want anybody to beat him up. Um, You know, and I think sometimes people have a... uh, you know, have a hard time distinguishing between the two. But I think I, I would love to meet Spencer Hawes. I'd love to just sit around and just like play video games with Spencer Hawes or like just give him a big hug or something. anything. Like I, I it would be terrifically fun. And uh the fact that he'd come in like acting all tough and I'd be like, Well he's seven feet tall, he could kick my ass. But it would just be I think it would be the funniest thing in the world if all of a sudden he just shows up in my apartment one time and it's just like, Oh hey Spence, how's it? Did I ever tell you my uh, my most spate story in in this regard? No. Okay. No, but I'm I'm all aboard. So, and this is this is why I'm a like I'm a Mo fan. Like I think it's I think he's you know I I like Mo Spates now. Um, so uh, this was when I was with YSP, and it was sort of early in my early-ish in my Twitter days, and it was when I was, I just had my own Sixers blog, like, on my own, um, just because I was sort of bored at working a rock radio station. What happened was, I asked them for a press pass for one particular game for the Sixers, and I showed up, and it was a season pass. And I was like, well, this is the coolest thing I've ever had before. <laughs> um, so I was like, I'll, I'll have a blog. So I was writing about the Sixers all the time. And it, the first season that I, that I watched was the Eddie Jordan season. And, um, and yeah, and I, they were, before Spates got hurt, like, Spates was really good that year, and they were significantly better when he was playing. Um, when he came back, he wasn't quite the same guy. And then the next year, like, it, it turned into, like, the guy who doesn't play any defense and just shoots every time he touches the ball. So yeah. I was not, like, sh- like, you know, even then, I wasn't, like, focusing my, my tweets at him. But I was complaining on Twitter. I'm just like... He doesn't. He doesn't play any defense. Like it's atrocious. Blah 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 blah. And he replies back to me like he like without me, you know, mentioning him. Um, like in his you know mentions, he replies back to me and he goes, you know, what do you know about defense? Like you shouldn't be talking about defense. And I replied, I'm like, look, man, I go to every game and I write about it, and that's exactly what I should be talking about. Um, you know, this is I have every right to talk about your defense. You play basketball professionally, um, and he just responds back like, you're right, or something like that. And I didn't hear anything back from him. So I go to a, uh, I believe it was a Martin Luther King Day game uh, because it was an afternoon on a weekday, and I went with my now fiance. And um, we went to the uh, presser afterwards. It was a bit, I think it was against Charlotte. It was like a comeback overtime win um, that they tied up at the end of regulation. It was a big win. And we That's went. A powerhouse game. Yes. And we, we went to uh, the presser afterwards, and I had never met Collins. I was a big Collins guy at the time. Um, and uh, one of the Sixers executives introduced me to Collins, so I got to say hi to Collins. And then she looks over at me and she goes, Do you know Mo Spates? And I was like, uh, just from Twitter. And she was like, all right, yeah, he wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so she leads us toward the locker room. And she says to Valerie, uh, my, uh, my fiance, she goes, hey, look, 
there's naked guys in there. Um, you know, you don't have to come in if you don't want. She's like, no, 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 I'll go in. So she goes in, and she claims the first thing she sees is Andre Iguodala from behind naked. Like, that's the first thing she sees. Not, uh, a, bad, not a bad view. Yeah, bad. yeah. What, I mean, like, you know, he takes care of himself. So, oh, yeah. so she just starts looking at the ground. Um, and Jody Meeks is getting dressed right next to her, and she loves Meeks. Or Meeks has clothes on. And I was like, ah, oh, Jody Meeks. I was like, she's, you're, you're her favorite player. She loves you. And so she says hi to Jody Meeks. And here comes Mo Spates in a towel. Um, and he just said he wanted to say hi and shake my hand and, and meet face-to-face after what we said on Twitter. Um, and, like, I thought that was, like, a really – you know, uh, a, a cool move, and it made me unable. Like clearly, I still think Mo shoots too much, and I still think Mo doesn't play defense. Um, but I have a definitely a different view of him, like as a guy, um, after you know meeting him and talking to him and all that stuff. So, um, but he he demanded the in person in locker room uh, confrontation <laughs> with me. Um, I really wish he, I wish he was naked though. He just comes up. I wish he, that was a sign of just like power. Like, look at me, <laughs> and this is this is my penis swinging next to the ground. Well, he was only wearing a towel, so maybe that's what he was threatening. That might have been. It. Yeah, he's like, if, hey, if we don't shake hands, the towel falls, uh, buddy boy. Um, okay, well, we took a pause there. <laughs> It's edited out, but there was a pause there. I don't know exactly what we were saying, so this will be an awkward return to it. But there was there was a pause there that isn't in the podcast. But what were we even talking about? What were we talking about? I don't even remember. Well, we were going to talk about the coach situation. Oh, we were going to talk about the coach. That's right. So, um, so this speaking of the coach, um, the Sixers, the uh, the only team in the NBA um, still without a coach. I don't. You know, even the people that were bothered about it, I was never bothered about it. But even if the people that were bothered about it seem unbothered about it now because they don't really have the energy anymore. Um, a name um, went public last night from Peter Vesey, who, um, you know, I, I don't think he's broken a story in a very long time. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the name is legitimate, but I also wouldn't be surprised if there was nothing to it. Sort of like every Sixers coaching rumor we've heard so far, um, yeah. you know, I haven't been. So Lloyd Pierce, who is a uh, an assistant coach for the um, Grizzlies, and apparently his, his, his focus has always been on uh, development of skills, like he's a skills yeah. development guy, which would make sense. Um, for him to be here, considering that so many of the Sixers don't have uh, many basketball <laughs> skills, uh, uh, um, but uh, it would make sense. I, you know, I don't, I don't have any opinion on him. It seems I'm basically of the opinion. I don't know what you are. I'm honestly fine with whatever whoever Sam Hinkie hires, if because I think he's only going to hire a guy that buys into the system, and I buy into the system. So I, you know, whatever whoever he hires, I think is a fine choice. It doesn't matter exactly. to me, and, and that's why I. I believe in the system so much, and I believe in Sam so much that I, anything he does, I'll agree with. Like it's, it's, it's such a crazy feeling that it's sort of come on so far. Like even like coaching aside, coaching definitely. Like there's no question that whatever he does, unless it's like sign Kelvin Kelvin Sampson or something like that, that'd be kind of boring. But you know, any person he drafts, any roster move he makes, I'm kind of just like, yeah, that's yeah, I'm on board. I'm I I, I trust him. There's, I'm, we, I think we talked about this last week, but it's just like you're used to just being maybe not smarter. I'm, I'm used to thinking I'm smarter than most of the GMs just because I'm an idiot. And 
in the idea that um, I don't have any sort of monetary value, or I, I'm not—I don't have a dog in the fight. Like, in terms right. of, it's not my—it's not my money that I can throw around. So I, I like, you know, from my ivory tower, I can sort of just like play chess with the pawns of the world and you know make the right moves. But now, same thing—he does the things I want him to do. Yeah. So like, I'm on board. Like, it's—it's just like. He's, and he's better at it than I am. So it's just like, this is great. This is totally great. Like, let's put uh, it this way. Like, if they, if Kevin McHale wasn't Kevin McHale in Houston, and they had, because you mentioned Kelvin Sampson, which I would think would be boring as well. But if they hired Kevin McHale, I'd feel about Kevin McHale the way I feel about Kevin Kelvin Sampson. It, it's mostly about how much that guy, you know, I think there are plenty of coaches that if they would listen, you know, and buy in would be, would be good at, you know, it's sort of, you know, running this thing. Um, yeah. It's it's all a matter of how much that coach buys in, you know. So uh, because to me, Mikhail would be like, I wouldn't imagine he'd be OK with any of that. I imagine he'd be an old school guy and blah, blah. You know, it would be all Collinsy, But clearly it's not. So, you know, um, so it's probably is an adjective for uh, arrogant and stubborn and terribly uh, inefficient. That's what we're using that as. Yeah, well, that like, um, what's his name is Collinsy. Um, uh, the, the Lionel, Hollins. Lionel Hollins is Doug Collinsy, right? I mean, um, I, no, I just love the adjective. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. So as long as the guy's not Collinsy um, at this point, I'm good with it. It's it is what it is. I you know, I'm, I, I don't I don't have a particular horse in the race. Everybody's like, well, I, would you like to see this guy? Yeah, I love Brett Brown, the guy coming from the Spurs. Great, you yeah. know, they they know how to score points. You know, I'd be, yeah. I'd be fine with that. Whatever. I took a uh, I took a Collinsy uh, uh, dump this morning before I uh, got on the podcast. <laughs> well, with that, <laughs> that seems like a, uh, a a nice way to end it. You, did we forget about anything? Uh, you know, no. I mean, uh, whoever the your sign, it doesn't matter. It, it, it's like it, it's someone's going to buy into the system and they're going to run the offense. Sam wants them to run. And uh, another another quick note about Sam. I have uh, I have a few guys on the ground at uh, Orlando Summer League. Uh, one of whom is uh, Brett Cormanis, who writes for Grantland, uh, who's a uh, internet friend of mine. Um, and he talked to Sam the other day, and is just like totally floored by him. Like he's like, you're totally right to be in love with this guy. He's bright. He's he's he knows his stuff. And if you talk to him off the record, then he's just like he'll, he's just so smart. Like he'll tell you things, and you're just like, wow, yeah. And he like dares you. He said he like dares you to to try try to be smarter than him basically like here's what i think about this guy like take that information and do do with it what you want to basically like i i know what i'm talking about so not and not in like a uh, an arrogant kind of way just in like a he's just so damn smart yeah and he also and brett is a uh is a fitness guy his other his other sort of job i guess is uh is involving fitness and he talks to sam about it for a while and sam is like all in on that just very in the same way that Chip Kelly came in, was just like you know, no more Taco Tuesdays or whatever it was. Uh, I think Sam's going to get these guys in great shape, and they're going to want to run. And uh, he's all about the he'll, he'll be all about the sort of training staff and everything. So I think that's a that's something to look at going forward. Yeah, and honestly, if if a player is not into that, the player won't be here. You know, I I, I don't you know Evan Turner is a guy who. Um, Look, maybe you know, Evan Turner is a guy who's never been in in great shape. Um, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't do you know it, like is more the thing that hinders I believe him from being a productive player is his 
attitude and uh, belief of what kind of player he should be. Not his his skills are limiting, but they're only limiting in the player he thinks he should be. They're not limiting in him being a solid, you know, rotation player in the NBA. With his skills, he could play twenty minutes a game and be a solid player. Um, But you know, so if he, you know, is it possible that that like a new GM and a new coach and a new way of thinking that you know that he works on a shot more um, and he gets in better shape and he believes in uh, the role that he should be yeah sure it's possible I'd love if that happens but if it's not he won't be here and that's that's yeah. really the end of it like anybody who buys in will be here and those who don't buy in won't be here and that's pretty much the end of the story there's a great thing happening in, in Sixersville and uh, it might not you know make itself known for a couple of years but there's not we're gonna win championships soon, man. We we really are, and it's gonna be it's gonna be great. But we're gonna go from where we were to to that point, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, well, I'm just I'm excited that there's something. That's all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chad Ford said that uh, he was like, you know, he he's of course been. Um, very positive about the move the Sixers made and, and Hinky mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, but said that, you know, when you think of it, he goes, what Sam Hinky did with that trade is he has accelerated the timeline of the, the growth of the Sixers. And he thinks, you know, it's possible that within a year, within one year, um, the Sixers could be the most um, like young and up and coming team in the NBA um, and have it without without you know committing to without having commitments to any um big con like so ton of cap space a ton of young really good players he said they could have four blue when you look at noel um carter williams and two potential top 14 picks in next year's draft which is stacked you know you could be looking at four blue chip prospects and cap room and either there's not there's not a lot of teams in the nba that can say that it's it, I mean it's great. But, I mean like if they say they somehow get Wiggins, depending on how good he is right off the bat, like they can make the playoffs next year. And yeah. like not like a playoff like the Milwaukee Bucks make the playoffs. Like a, like I hope the Cavs make a playoff this year. I hope the Wizards make a playoff this year. Like with a young team with like guys that need to grow and like making the playoffs is actually good for them, not just like oh they're just like, they're just sort of limping in. It's like they're the, what the Thunder did in their in their like second year together, second or third year together when they just sort of like just jumped in and like battled and was like okay we're gonna be back next year that kind of thing that's us i mean we're we're, we're right there we'll, we'll be there um well that's all i got um thank you for uh, the right to ricky sanchez the rights thank you for listening to the rights to ricky sanchez um and uh, next week the right to eden babchich yes <laughs> We could just change it week to week, you know. And I, we we don't have time to talk about this. I don't have time, but it was funny. I was writing just like a quick Sixers article yesterday, and um, I needed like a good Sixers trade. Um, And uh, I asked on Twitter, "Could you name three good Sixers trades?" Um, that didn't happen this in the last you know twelve months. So take out Bynum, take out the Noel trade, name three good Sixers trades, and like you really have to reach to do it. It's crazy. Like the if you look at free agent signings and trades over the last thirty years, like there's not there's not a lot of positive stuff in there. Somebody was like, well, they traded a second rounder for Eric Snow. I was like, well, there we go. Scene. There they, we are. Yeah. Did, uh, I think it was Francisco Elton for Jody Meeks. Yes. Yeah. Like that's where we are. Really. Those are the positive <laughs> ones. So, all right. Thank you for getting up. You're a you're a true you're a martyr. Thank you very much for saying that. All right. All right. See you, Mike. See you, man. <laughs>